there's something here on page 16 of Chip's book, Ceasefire. And I love this paragraph. It sounds like cliche, but it's a great reminder where he says frustration causes us to do irrational things. In fact, much of the time we end up wishing right away that we could just roll up what we said and put it back in our mouths like a stick of bubblegum. Bubblegum is a good, good example. I don't know if you've sat in a chair before, put your hand under the chair or you're trying to lift a chair and you hold that sticky gum that someone else has just put there straight out of their mouth. That can be disgusting. Why? Because what comes out of our mouth is very difficult to put back in. But again, this is a point I think each one of us has been at where we wish we could put those words back, but we can't. And in our poster today... We do have the husband asking the question, what do you mean it's my turn to do dishes? I'm kind of fixated on dishes because traditionally it's it's difficult uh, for the men, at least for me, to do the dishes. And the men are expected to be the financial providers. And you see that woman or that lady, that wife replying the husband and saying, what do you mean my money is our money? And that's only the piece or the tip of the iceberg of what happens in most families and what causes fights and quarrels among us, the married. But Manzi, what's up? How have you been, sir? What's going on? Are you excited about tonight? Do you think we'll find some answers to some of the things that throw us in the fighting ring with our spouses, Manzi? Yeah, thank, thank you, David. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, it's a good thing this uh, show has come on a weekend where my wife and I are in good books. So eh, it's good to be attending the show when you're not fighting, man. <laughs> you know those things where you have like a marriage retreat, but mm. on the day when you've just fought, so you have to go and you you <laughs> you go when you're angry at each other, but you have to attend. <laughs> so I'm happy this topic has come when hey man, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I don't know your conflicts, <laughs> <laughs> man. But if it had come like last Sunday, ah, you guys, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> You'll be saying, David, you're on your own today. Uh, oh, I know you yeah. are. You mentioned a good point. Um, why even hosting a show like this is difficult because your wife is listening in. Shaki just whispered to me and said, David, I want to listen in now. Um, and we are not fighting. This is a disclaimer. Number two, the cases that you hear or the examples you hear are not coming from my house. Um, they're coming from other people's houses. We have neighbors. We have other people's stories that we read on the internet, WhatsApp, setters. So this is not my home we're going to be talking about tonight. But Chip, what's up? Tell us, what are we expecting tonight uh, from the show? Glad that you're here, by the way. Thank you so much for joining us, Chip. Well, I think we're going to have a lot of fun because uh, I think we can all as pastors relate to the idea of having to talk about marriage and how to work through marriage when really we're the ones that need to work through it too. It's not, uh, it's so funny. Um, just like uh, Monsi just said that it, you'll, you'll have a marriage conference that's out there and we're the ones that are presenting the marriage conference, but we're the ones that are having the issues running into the marriage conference. And uh, I think Satan does that to try to discourage us in those moments, but I think God allows it to help to remind us that we still need work on it as well. So I, I'm I'm excited about being together with you. This is a great topic in regards to how to, really with the book, Ceasefire, on how to find peace when all you see is conflict, because many times we can work on it um, with our friends, we can work on the conflicts with our friends, but we struggle with it with our spouse. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I was just looking at your book here. Um, 
And, and, and of course, you quote familiar verses. Uh, I don't want to say there are no new principles in the sense that there's nothing new under the sun. But I think the principles you share in the book have been tested and refined and applied to uh, particular unique examples. But listen to James. When you ask the question, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire, you do not have, so you murder, you covet and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you don't ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. And we are all passionate about something, about our position about what we believe. And yeah, I, I, the, one of the best pictures I saw, I don't know if you know those road signs that have one way, uh, the sign one way, but these were two signs pointing one way and they're pointing at each other. Why? Because each sign is saying, this is the way and it's one way and it is my way. And that's for me, I think is <laughs> the epitome of passion when it comes to marriage. But when it comes to a passionate marriage in this context, Pastor Chip, um, given one minute from what you have observed um, and learned, even as you wrote a whole book on conflict resolution, what do you think would be the starting point? There might not be a particular starting point, but what do you think would be the starting point in your context, in your view, to try and resolve? I mean, your book in the subtitle, it promises a lot. Finding peace when all you see is conflict. It sounds like there can be peace and the peace is not to ignore the conflict, but to deal with it. But what do you, what would you say is the starting point, Chip? The starting point, it, it seems very basic, but the starting point really is God. I, I just got a review on my book on Amazon. It wasn't a great review. And it was interesting because as they were writing the review of the book, it was a, it was a three star. And, uh, and, and throughout the book, they're like, oh, it was about God. I was hoping it would help me how to wrestle through conflict. What I know um, through through my life is that I can't actually get through conflict unless I have the power of the Holy Spirit to help me through the conflict. Because and we're going to talk about this uh, throughout this whole this whole s- series today or this session today, but we're going to talk about love and uh, and what godly love looks like. And unfortunately, in our marriages, we forget about what that looks like. And I think, I think it starts with an understanding of God. And there may be, there may be people on this call today that they don't know anything about God. Um, but let me tell you something. Without God, it is really hard to work through conflict. Wow. Interesting starting point. Um, with, without God. Uh, by the way, Chip, you do have very, very high reviews. They may not be on Amazon, but back home here, we at least I am I am I'm leading a particular physical group where we're discussing this book together. Um, this is a fellowship I've been a part of for quite a long time now, and there's major, major, major reviews in the sense that people appreciate some of the principles. We just started with the introduction, and uh, I know I've done an interview with you already on the show concerning your book, and we did talk about that introduction, but I have a friend who gave me permission to share his story. It was quite similar um, with your introduction to the book, uh, where you almost lost everything, let's say, um, with your business. And this gentleman uh, shared with us this story. This was this week, by the way. He had been praying um, for 
provision and God kind of provided in a way that he did not expect. Let's say, giving an example that you're praying for uh, $3,000 and God provided, I think by the end of that week, $30,000. Just giving an example, there was a zero attached at the end. And he chose to invest that money in a car. Um, and of course, as we are sharing this story, in my mind, I'm thinking a car does not look like an investment because it's a liability. Uh, when you think about repairs and fuel is simply taking money from you. And this gentleman says, no, 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 no. I bought this car for to start a business with Uber. And he's a pastor. And of course, he cannot do both. So he found a good friend who he asked to run this business for him. And he said, all you have to do is remit a particular amount of money on a daily basis. And this friend did exactly that. And a year passed by and they were so close that he did not bother him with anything. Think of it as Joseph. And then one day, I think on his wife's birthday, by the way, when he bought this car, he put the car in his wife's names because it was a very, very special gift from a friend and his first car in life, put in the wife's name. And on her birthday, he says, I would like to take my wife out. And he calls the friend who's running this Uber business. And he says, all right, would you like to please return my car so I can take my wife? And he says, yeah, 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 I'll do that this coming weekend. The weekend draws nearer and the friend calls and says, you know what? I just got a client who really needs and must go to a particular appointment and I'm not able to bring this car for you this weekend. And they wrestled with the conversation and the gentleman replies and says, I do not care about the money. This is my wife's birthday. I'm going to her need that car this weekend. And they go back and forth until he called the friend and says, well, can I have the car? And you know where the voice changes? Only to find out that the car was left at a money lender's parking lot. So the whole of the year, the money that he borrowed, he was simply paying, using that money to remit the profits. The car was never there. And hey, of course, when you share this story, I got some ghost pimples. I want to get to the story and say, what happened? Legally, you can get your car back. And he has a friendship with this buddy of his. And cheap, like it or not, he chose to let it go and forgive the friend. Hmm. Sometime passed by and the friend would not even talk to him. He called him using a different number and simply says, I forgive you. And right now they are friends and we just, I just had this and there's no explanation for a story like this apart from God. I was listening to this and I'm thinking to myself, you know, you can go to court and get your car back, but he chose to get a friend back. Would you like to comment on that? Even as we think about conflict between husband and wife to the point where one can let go completely. Have you ever seen anything like that in marriage? Um, I don't know, but I just wanted to say this stuff is real and I can only start from God. But any, any comments, Chip? Well, first of all, uh, I think my first comment is um, praise the Lord. It is so many times we choose our own personal fleshly desires over godly desires. And the godly desire is to love our friend more than the possession. But it is a possession. We've, we've lost something. But what this is an amazing reminder of is the fact that God, God can heal anything. And I, I have actually seen some amazing things happen in marriage 
in marriages in which it looked like there was no hope. And unfortunately, most of the time within marriages, the reason there is no hope is because people are advising in the, in the, to do the wrong thing. They're like, Oh, you just need to get away from that person. You need to run from that person or they're not, they're not good for you anyways. You should just, you should just, uh, find someone else. And, and that seems to be the, the rational advice we seem to give people, but that's not the godly advice. And, uh, and, and really my, my hope and desire is that, you know, people will see that God can heal anything. It's really, we just need to get out of the way and we need to believe that he is, he is the, the person that owns the cattle on a thousand hills, that he is in control of all things, that he really did know what he was doing when he brought our helpmate together to encourage us and to strengthen us. And he knew the conflicts we were going to go through. Um, it is it is amazing to hear stories like that, but also to just reflect on the fact that I have seen a lot of marriages that have, have uh, been restored because we have gotten out of the way and we have let God be the source of that healing and helping us to see that person as God sees them, not as we see them. Awesome. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah. We, th those voices speak to you and sometimes it sounds like this, it is not fair to you. Others will sound like love yourself. You do you. And it's, it's all selfish sometimes. Uh, but yeah, the voices can cause us to go to court over even with those that we love most, They're not even strangers, but those in our own house and we seek divorce. And of course, situations are different and I cannot give a blanket solution for all, but I mean, I think we need to pay close attention to the voices that we listen to. Manzi, do you have any questions for Chip? I know you have questions. What is the most important question that you have for Chip right now from, from, as we think about marriage? Manzi. Yeah, um, I don't know if it's the most important, but uh, to pick up on what you've been saying, the fairness issue, um, thinking about marriage, a new couple, newly wed, is there, is it possible to have fairness, right? Mm. Uh, your poster says, is it my turn to do dishes? Meaning there's like a pattern, like Monday is you, Tuesday is me. There's some kind of pattern. Or is your money, our money? Can we have like, like parity, like 50%, there are 52 weeks in a year, I'll do 26, you'll do, you know. Or is it, uh, it's, it's not possible because we, we think someone is being unfair based on a certain standard. Is there a possibility of having total fairness? I don't know if that question makes sense, Chip, but... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah no, that... Oh, you're being unfair, I'm being what? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's, that's a great question because I think that the world has made us believe that that we all are unique and that we have to have it the way we want it, want to have it. And, and it's okay to be, to be myself, that I don't have to be included in the whole picture. But what we know of what God created to be a marriage to be was for us to become one. Uh, I, I always go back to Genesis and Genesis in chapter two, verse 18, it says, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. And so we have to first remember that we didn't used to, when God first created man, he was by himself. 
And I don't, we don't know how long of a period of a time he was by himself, but, but he actually couldn't have a family without a spouse. And he saw these animals having this, having relationship and companionship. And he was missing out on that. And God was like, it's not good for man to be alone. And I, and this is so important. He says, I will make him a helper fit for him. And I don't even think we need to go any further than that. I mean, the Lord does go further than that, but just just thinking about that phrase, I will make him a helper. A helper is someone who complements, who comes alongside, who is unified together. And in order to be one in Christ, we need to see them as our helper, not just as uh, someone who, who does something for us, because our wives could look at us and go, well, you're the one that's supposed to be providing. Why don't you get a better job? Or why don't you do this? No, that's not the way it's supposed to work. And as guys, we're not supposed to be like, well, I'm out working and, and you're at home and you need to do this and this. I have learned that that does not work usually at all. In fact, it creates typically more conflict. Um, interesting enough, uh, when my wife and I were, we're in Scroon Lake right now, Scroon Lake, New York. We live in Hudson, Florida, but we were up here and my wife and I in our early marriages lived here in Scroon Lake, New York. And uh, I would come home from work and uh, she stayed home with the kids. We made it work so she could be home with the kids. And she was doing all these things. Our kids were really, really small. And she's running around all over the house and I'm still working. I brought my computer home and I'm working and I could not see anything. And, and finally, I remember this day she looked at me and she goes, can't you see I need help? I went, no, I can't see it. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm clueless. I could not see it. And she's like, you can't see that there's this, 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 and this going on around the house. And I'm trying to change the diapers. I'm trying to, I can't, uh, I can't wash the food while I'm changing the diapers. And someone needs to unload the dishwasher and all those types of things. And, and I was like, I was oblivious. I couldn't even see it. And I said, you need to understand something about me. In order for me to be a helpmate to you, you need to tell me how I can help. And because uh, I can't see it. And shame on me that I couldn't see it. But now this has been almost 15 years later. And now I can recognize those specific things within the house that I can help. And sometimes it's dishes, sometimes it's laundry, sometimes it's just sweeping the floor, sometimes it's all these things. But I think we think that we've created jobs for the spouse within within regards to the structure of marriage. That's not what God created marriage to be. He created marriage for us to be helpmates to each other to encourage each other. And uh, and so I, I always go back to Genesis to be reminded of the fact that God, God, it says, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper. And listen to this, fit for him. Meaning he didn't make a mistake when he put that spouse in your life. Um, you may not like it at times, but the reality is that's who God intended for you to be with. Wow, thank you, thank you, Chip. Um, David, do you want to go next or should I ask another question? Uh, Manzi, please go ahead, go go ahead. I, I think we're on the right track here. I, I just want to leave a small comment. Um, mm -hmm. 
you have to understand that we are here, um, but I have another co-host whispering in my ears right now called Grace, and she's saying, what if that helper is not fit? <laughs> because... <laughs> <laughs> the, but yeah, because that's where the conflict usually ends up leading to. And I've, it, the world has put it in other ways by saying irreconcilable differences where mm. the spouse say, I think I made a mistake. Um, and, and maybe a little comment because why? how do people end up like that? Like a conflict brings up a whole total disregard of the vows that were made, even after 20, 30 years. I don't know how couples get to that. Um, when they began, at least when they were dating, they thought they were meant for each other. And and then a moment comes, I don't want to say dishes, drive them apart, but they get to a point where this is no longer the fitness that they, they once dreamt. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why it's difficult to understand marriage because one minute, it, it's working. Another minute, it is not working. Um, I, I love what you shared. Um, and the question that was asked, I don't think it was asked out of frustration. And it was a genuine answer you gave in saying, I don't think, no, I do not see that you need help. But I also believe the statement she makes, she said, don't you see I need help? Is a call to attention to a particular point that men could have missed or men usually miss. Um, but yeah, just, just that moment, what would you advise a couple listening in right now and they're beginning to get weird thoughts that maybe we are not fit for each other? Hey, I, 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 yeah, well, first of all, uh, Grace, thank you for being one of our co-hosts. And I saw someone put on here, Grace should call in. Probably she should have called in. Um, but this is a great, this is a great, uh, question coming off of that last response. And here's something we need to understand. History is very, very specific um, for us in this, in regards to this question. We need to understand that, that actually we're, we live in a whole new age. It didn't, you never used to have a choice on who you married. And, and God still says he chose the right person for you but we never had the choice. It was our parents who had the choice. And uh, in fact, uh, it was never about love at all. It was about, it was about uh, um, land and prosperity and, and how our, our names were gonna be uh, uh, greater because of the uh, uniting of two families together. It was never about emotion. And so something we need to understand, the type of love that we need to have a successful marriage is a love we choose to have. It's not an emotion that comes and goes. It's something we choose. And, uh, and so I'm really going to really, you know, for, when I do uh, pre-marriage counseling, um, I always go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. And, uh, and the reason is because I want them to understand what love really looks like, what godly love really looks like. Because every single one of us, we can all say, um, you know what, I have married the perfect person. I'm gonna tell you, within a few years, you're gonna find out that person is not perfect. In fact, they're probably not the person you thought they were at all. And you're gonna go, what did I do? And I guarantee you, my wife has said that multiple times in the last 20 years, like, oh my goodness, what did I do? But 
but she finds a way and chooses to love me. And you know why she does that? Because Christ chose to love her. And you know why I choose to love my wife when I when I see all the things that that uh, maybe that I don't like is because I am reminded of who I was and who I am and really the awful sinner that I am. And yet God still chooses to love me. And so really it still comes back to that place of God. I mean, God, God is the source of fixing marriage. Um, because he helps us to see what love looks like. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Man, right there, he just hit all of us men right in the in the face. He slapped us and said, wake up, men, because love is none of these things. It's not what you want it to be. It is, it is patient and kind. It's not about getting it the way I want. It's not about our wives fixing our dinner when we want them to fix the dinner. It's not about our wives doing dishes. It's not about our wives taking care of the children. It's about understanding that love is not envy or boasting. It is not arrogant. It's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. (laughs) You think about that phrase right there. It's not irritable or resentful. What do we know about that? That's usually the problem. We come home and it's not the way we want it to be. It's not our own way. So what do we do? We choose at that moment to go, well, I don't love that person at this moment. That's That doesn't work that way. And uh, may, I am so thankful that God doesn't work that way, um, that he doesn't see me in that light. And so... I love where it says in verse six of chapter 13, it does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but rejoices with truth. And I think the last part here in verse seven, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and this last one endures. So to your question, Grace, um, we're to endure. God did not make a mistake. I think we think, uh, at times that, well, that's not the right person that, it, you know, I, I made a bad decision. And then we eliminate the fact that God placed those two people together. Nope, God put those people together. It may not have looked the way that it should have, but God still allowed it to happen. And the moment they became married is the moment that that God united those two together. Um and we can talk about this later, but I've gone through a divorce and I can tell you, I could tell you the ramifications of that. And uh, it wasn't a choice that I made. It was a choice that my first wife made. But uh, um, she basically came to a place of being, being at that point where she was like, I want something else. I want someone that wants to make more money. I want someone that wants to do other things. And she chose to leave. And, uh, and really the ramifications and, uh, and the, really the punishment of her life has, has been pretty, pretty intense the last 20 years for her. And uh, I would never wish that on anybody at all. And it was all because she wasn't willing to take a step back and endure things. And, you know, there's times when I think that, the, that people need to walk away um, because God gives us those, those times in scripture. But most of the time he wants us to work through it. Wow, um, amazing! It's this. Uh, my mouth dried up just listening to you, Chip. 
because it's it's intense um and, and the difficulty with some of the solutions that the scriptures offer is it's not pleasant and when you talk about endure all things as a definition for love it's it's hard because if you love back there shouldn't be an endurance in the, in that sense and so and yet the scriptures talk about endurance i mean if you think about how christ loved us you give the example of your wife choosing to love you because christ loved her and he endured a lot he's still enduring a lot uh, with the relationship that we have with him and so thank you and uh, thank you so much. That is tough. That is tough. And yet the truth, um, tough truth. Let me take this opportunity right now to give us a, maybe a picture of the resources available for us. If you're listening in right now, you do have an opportunity. Uh, if you're in Uganda, which I believe majority of you are, you can still go to um, cabindevils.com and go to the shop and order that book right now. It's only half the price. If you go to Amazon, Shauriako, it's your money, your, your spending. It's half the price. And Chip gave us the permission to print that book here in Uganda at half the price. Only 15,000 Uganda shillings. I've already talked to uh, some friends of mine, actually Manzi and Patrick, are thinking about having this book for their small groups at church. I would advise those of you who are listening in right now, and you do have maybe a pastor, you could be a pastor listening in, or you could advise your pastor to see that you do this book together as a, as a, a small group at church. It could be the choir, it could be the ushers, it could be probably leadership. And the beauty with doing this book is, is, is the fact that as a team or as a group, you get to find principles on how to resolve conflict, not only as a group, but in your other areas of life, friendships, work, um, is also the other areas that is covered. And, and here's the catch. Cabin Devils has set up a platform we've called the book club. And when you go to cabindevils.com, yes, it's right there, the book club. Once you join, the book club, you're able to discuss this book with everyone else who has bought the book. And with these discussions, each chapter has a place where you can ask the author. It says, ask the author. Once you type in a question where it says, ask the author, that question goes directly to Chip. And Chip receives an email with a link on which if he clicks, it brings him back to the book club where he's able to answer your question. Right now, we do have a discussions going on between chapter two, one, two, and three. I'm hoping to put the rest of the chapters uh, by the end of this week. But that's the beauty with the book club and getting that book from cabindivos.com. Or you can simply go straight to shop.cabindivos.com shop.cabindivos.com and place an order for that book. And those of you who are listening in right now, if you would like to join the book club, let me let you know that the book club is locked in the sense that we don't allow internet trollers to come and, and just, yeah, disturb the peace. <laughs> Talk about finding peace in the middle of conflict. So you've locked it up with a passcode, but I'm going to let that passcode go for a bit right now. I'm not repeating this passcode again. If you would like to find the passcode, you may have to talk to someone else who is reading the book club. But the passcode is going to be posted in the chat right now in a few minutes. You will see it pop up in the in the chat. And yeah, but Manzi, you had another question to ask, Pastor Chip. Ah, man, Pastor Chip's last answer was too deep. My question disappeared. But 
Um, let me just uh, maybe ask. Sometimes we fight or we have disagreements based on our selfish desires. I want this, you want that, so your desires are different. But there are times when we disagree over something. I don't know if you guys have seen that meme of two guys arguing over a number. One person sees it as number six from this perspective, and the other person says it's number nine, and the two people are fighting. What happens when you are disagreeing over perspective, like, you see this is a car and the person saying, no, this is a house. <laughs> how, how do you deal with that kind of conflict uh, where you, you disagree, you agree to disagree, but you are, you're married. Like you have to move forward. You can't, you can't, you can't go separate ways. I don't know, Chief, my questions are not very straightforward, but I hope you, you, you've gotten it. Yeah, no, I, I understand your question. I think this is a good, this is a good question, especially um, in light of our discussion. Um, I, I just heard someone, uh, Pastor Phil Mosier, he's a, uh, he, uh, David, you probably remember him, but he's on, uh, he's a pastor in New Jersey and he talks about this and, and he talks about four buckets um, preference, uh, preference bucket. He talks about, uh, pretty much like, a, an opinion box bucket. And, uh, and then, uh, and then he also talks about, um, conviction bucket and, and in those three buckets, it basically are, are things that aren't morality. So like a car or, um, or, uh, the color of something, those don't fit in the morality bucket. And so the morality bucket are the, are the things that are black and white in scripture that tell us, um, the value of life, the, the value of, of living a life for God. But there's a lot of gray area and we have a tendency, especially as Christians to fight about, a lot of gray area stuff. The other four buckets: our opinions, our uh, our um, our preferences, our, our our convictions. But those but those things cannot outweigh our morality bucket. And one of the things that fits in morality bucket is is love. It's love. And one of the things we need to understand in in the, in regards to love is that. If we truly love people the way God intends for us to love them, we can listen to those other buckets, but we don't need to fight about them. We don't need to fight about them. That's their opinion or that's their preference or that's their conviction. Let that just be. But we have this tendency to fight. And you know why we fight about those things? This is what I've learned. At least this is a, this is me. Maybe maybe this doesn't fit everybody else, but this is me. When I fight over those things, it's really because I'm struggling with a sin issue in my life right now. And uh, I'm fighting because I'm convicted about something within my own personal life. And it's causing me to fight. Um, when I'm not, when I'm not walking um, in sin and I'm not struggling within sin, I've given that over to the Lord and I've confessed it to those people I've wronged. I can, I, I seem to have a, a, a clearer mind, and so that I'm listening and going. You know what? I, I'm really not going to argue about that. That doesn't really matter. 
Um, and then I begin to listen to that conversation in a different way so that I can be a friend to them and, and, and listen for the opportunity to be able to interject something of truth. But if it's not truth, if it's not something that fits in that morality bucket, I'm learning to stay away from it. And, uh, and so anyways, in regards to your question, it, it, it boils down to how we see things. And, uh, and I would just encourage you to understand where, what God's word says about it. And if God's word doesn't talk about it, there's no reason to fight about it. Cause you know what? Not everybody is going to have an opinion when it comes to those things. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much, David. Awesome. I've been joined by another friend of mine here. Good friend of mine, Grace Tuvidi, that has a <laughs> comment she would like to, to share with us. Grace, what's up? Hi. <laughs> um, but I think mine is just a comment from um, the book. Um, just there's a, um, a portion where, you know, it says the title is Dealing with Conflict. And it says, when it comes to conflict, um, I value my own self-interest above the needs of others. And then a few lines below that, it says, often we confront people, we avoid confronting people because we're afraid of high tensions and angry sentiments being expressed. And so with that in mind, um, there's a thought that, okay, I'm a sub as I'm a nice Christian, I'm submissive. And so... In the name of submission, when I see a potential conflict from afar, I easily be like, oh, no, there's no need to bring that up. Or, you know, like we've talked about, maybe it's a preference, maybe it's just me, let me let it go. And yet there's something crucial that you've talked about, like what is, what is true love in terms of speaking truth as well, um, especially to our spouses, especially to, um, our husbands in ministry that we stop being um, liked or sold to them and and yet we are the ones who actually see them when you know no one when they're themselves when they when there's no expectation to be something or someone else and therefore the challenge for me there was to you know my own selfish interest would be to enjoy the peace and quiet although it's not really a peace that false piece of sorts, but you know, it's almost easier to go with that than to um, face like high tensions or angry sentiments or just have someone think, what, that's really what you think? Or how could you, you know, you'd rather keep the flow going, but to okay. realize that that's selfish and that is not really what love is and therefore mm -hmm. to deal with the conflict. What's interesting about your question is that uh, Unfortunately, what that means, like when we avoid those things, it's temporal peace. It's the truth is, is that the next time that person wrongs us, that it, that we begin to boil up even more within with, and now we're beginning to have other types of conflicts. Um, it's important that we have those conversations immediately or at least process through it and then have the conversation because really we need to prepare our hearts to go to them in love. If we don't go to them in love and we go to them in the attack, yeah, it's going to be a heated conversation and really there's not going to be any resolve. We need to go to them in love 
And I, I love how Nathan goes to David. You know, when David uh, sins against Bathsheba, he goes to him with a discussion. He he brings the conversation so that he can have a a true under David has a true understanding of what that that uh, sin looked like, but he didn't even realize it was him. And then he turns around and goes, "I'm talking about you." And but he waited for the response of how that person would respond, because as Christians, we know that if someone wrongs someone else, that we're going to be frustrated with that. And and we we would want to do something about that. But sometimes we need to take uh, take a step back and recognize that the reason we got to that place and even the reason why David had gotten to the place he was at was because he hid that sin. He hid that problem. And ultimately uh, in Psalms 22, it, we, we see David, like he's, death has warmed over him. He's, he's dying from what is inside and, and, uh, and, and really doesn't even realize that he's the problem. He's the reason why he's dying inside. And the reason he got to that place was because he didn't deal with the conflict the moment he sinned. And I think too many times we don't give people that opportunity. It doesn't mean that they that that they're still not going to respond in a in a harsh way. But the more we go to them in love, the less likely they are going to come back to us with the, with that response. I can tell you, there was someone on um, probably on this call right here that sent me a message about the book, just saying how encouraged they were about the book and that they had a friend that they had a friend that uh, um, that that uh, had had wronged them and there's their relationship has been restored because they had the courage to go have the conversation and that friend didn't even realize that they had hurt them and i think too many times we let satan have a foothold in our lives because we're not willing to deal with the conflict when it when it comes to the surface thank you so much i totally agree and um and you know, sometimes it plays out funny because you hear somebody say that, you know, I did, you know, I got married and I tried to be a good wife. I tried to do and to conform to what, you know, he wanted me to be like. And so I lost myself in the process. But really, I, what comes to mind is maybe I'm not bringing to the table the helpmate that I'm supposed to be. Um, that God made us different for a purpose, and therefore it's not necessarily conflict, but it's it's we're supposed to be bring the differences to the table um, in a way to like create a progress of sorts, a way of moving forward because we're not exactly the same, and therefore we complement and move each other forward. And a woman's role is not necessarily just to be quiet and to um, do everything the way that you know, someone is requesting or saying that she should, but also bringing, you know, her thoughts and her um, abilities and talents to the table so that she creates a growth in the home so that she's building her home is what the proverb says. A woman Absolutely. Build her home. And therefore, in dealing with differences and what we call conflicts, yes, that it is okay because it's part of building we're not meant to be exactly the same. 
Yeah, I have a testimony I'd like to share with you real quick. It's uh, about a lady in the church that I pastored and she had a husband. Um, he confessed he knew the Lord, but never went to church, never lived a life in, in accordance to, to the teaching of God's word. She endured for 30 years. She, they had two boys. The two boys would come to church with her, but she she made it a point to pray for him every day for 30 years that God would change his life. And uh, I had the tremendous opportunity to eventually lead him to the Lord. After 30 years, he finally came to know the Lord. And then uh, the next year, he I had the great privilege of baptizing him. She lovingly endured a worldly man living in his, in her house, not leading her, not godly, not leading her um, through truths of God's word, really doing his own thing, never being home, expecting things that just didn't make any sense really to probably any of us. And, uh, and she endured. She endured because she believed the moment that she got married, that she made a commitment to God. It was not a commitment to him. It was a commitment to God. And and so she made a point to pray for him every day. And God, God did an amazing work and he came full circle and came to know the Lord. And now they go to church together and now they, they worship together. But that to me is a tremendous example of our relationship we're supposed to have with our spouse. It's We need to understand, it's not the commitment we made to our husband that's important or the commitment we made to our wife. It's the commitment we made to God. Marriage is about that. God created marriage. We didn't create it. God did. And we made a commitment to God. When my first wife left me, I was destroyed because I made a commitment to God. I was gonna endure. She cheated on me, she had an affair and I still was willing to take her back. And because I made a commitment to God and I and we had a daughter and all those types of things. And you know what? But the, the reality is, is that so many times within our world today, we forget about the fact that God is in the center of this. And, uh, and we can love and we can love and endure through all these things because God loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for us so that we could endure these things. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Chip. Um, I'm really loving this. I wish we had more time to be able to get through this. And when we come to the end of this show, it it doesn't have to be the end. And let me remind those of you who are listening that we are talking through um, conflict, of course, with Chip, who is the author of the book, Ceasefire, Finding Peace When All You See Is Conflict. And this book is on shop.cabindivos.com. Of course, you can still go to cabindivos.com and find the shop and be able to purchase this book if you're in Uganda. If you're out of Uganda, you can order this on Amazon. It's unfair that on Amazon it's double the cost and half the cost when you find on Cabin Divos. That is because Chip chose to love Cabin Divos and be able to 
give us this offer. We do discuss this book in the book club. Just go to cabindivos.com to join the book club. I've already posted the passcode at some point in the comments. Just scroll upwards. You will see it. For now, it's the only message uh, coming from Cabin Devils. Let me ask you to subscribe to Cabin Devils. Cabin Devils, we do have uh, replays of episodes that we have uh, aired in the past. And I did an episode with Chip, of course, introducing the book, Seas uh, Fire. This is episode 136. We are on Apple Podcast. We are on uh, Podbean right now, the app that you're using to listen in. We are also on Google Podcasts. We are on Spotify. Of course, any app that you love to get your podcasts uh, from. Let me encourage you to visit cabindivos.com to find out more other opportunities in which you can be able to enjoy great, great comment. I mean, content. One of the things we are thinking about in the book club, especially with the book Ceasefire, is to have once a month to have Chip do a Zoom call. And this will involve content that most likely is not in the book. And I was talking to some pastor friends and I said, if you get this book for your small groups, it would take you about uh, two months if you chose to cover one chapter a week to finish the book. And at the end of each chapter, there is uh, discussion questions and a place for you to take notes. And this coming week, we're going to be doing chapter one. We did the introduction for a small group that I belong to. I do have a friend who also already has a small group doing this. I know I have some church members from Word of Life. Uh, maybe I should be the first to let you know that we are going to be doing this book in our small groups very, very quickly and shortly in the near future. But thank you so much, Chip, uh, for allowing us to enjoy such awesome, awesome content when it comes to conflict uh, resolutions uh, with your book, Ceasefire. Finding peace when all you see is conflict. Manzi, you've been quiet for a while. Is that peace? Is it resignation? What's going on, man? Hi. Man, the, the key word for me, I think, from this, <laughs> <laughs> from this mm. show is endure. Uh, and mm. uh, I just thought maybe, you know, share a portion of scripture from Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 3, which says, Consider him who endured from sin and such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. It goes on to speak about the discipline of the Lord and so on, but endurance, wow. Um, we, we are so against suffering. Eh? We want things to be easy, things to be uh, easy-go-lucky, but there is, uh, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ endured um and therefore we can endure uh so that that is my take home um i'm now reflecting on my life amen amen thank you thank you so much mazi i'm going to ask a question i know we have one minute but let's just take two minutes this this has been itching chip i'm looking at your book here and i flipped randomly to page 77 uh, talking about kindness and coaching. I'm just going to read the first paragraph to make a point. Um, you, you say that in Ephesians chapter 4, verse that it tells us to be, and by the chip, I don't expect you to remember every page in the book, but <laughs> when, when I quote when I quote a portion like that, when you say Ephesians 44, verse 32, 32, tells us to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Kindness is described here not only as something we do, 
but also as something we evolve into being. God calls us to be tender-hearted, meaning that we should have soft hearts toward our brothers and sisters. We need to learn to forgive others when they offend us like Christ forgives us. And talking about washing dishes either when it's not your turn or you are not meant to, and meant to is in courts, or trying to expect the man to provide uh, for the home and there's conflict when it comes to finances, it sounds like tender-heartedness sometimes can be interpreted as weakness, uh, especially for the man, speaking from a man's perspective, where if you choose to let certain things go, you can and easily be considered as weak. And of course, spouses, whether husband or wife, are afraid to be taken advantage of in the sense that, ah, he will take it. And the term other people like to use is you become a punching bug. Um, and I know the line might be thin, but it flips over very quickly from, and, and there are people that take advantage of kindness. Um, we, we don't want to say that this does not happen, but how do you avoid that chip? And I know it may not be a one line answer, but I'm, I'm sure you've thought about this. And of course, when we are beginning the show, you did mention that the starting point is God. And yes, he became a punching bag, but what, how does that make him strong when he's tender-hearted and kind and not weak? Chief. Hmm. No, that's a great question. Uh, I Something we need to understand when it comes to kindness, being tender-hearted, is, is that's, that those are characteristics of God. And... And I think so many times, just like you said, we think that, and it becomes our fear. And this is Satan's, this is what Satan does. And, and remember, we're in warfare. This is this is warfare between Satan and God. God is going to win. God wins. But Satan doesn't want God to win. And so he puts all these things in our minds to think us that, that to really make us believe that we can't do it. But you know what? What's wrong? What if I had to do everything at home? What if I had to go to work and do everything to provide for the family and I had to come home and and do everything else? Um, I watched my dad do that. When I lost my mom, my dad did that. He did everything. And he did it because he loved his kids. But ultimately he did it because he loved God. And then God did provide for him another helpmate, but it changed my dad's perspective on, on kindness and being tenderhearted. And the way he treated my stepmom was different than he treated my mom. There wasn't the same expectation because he learned, he learned to love and do things because it was the right thing, not because it was the fleshly thing. I think those are the things we have to keep in mind. Because it was the right thing and not the fleshy thing. Um, wow. It's been awesome, Chip, to have you. I am tempted to do this, and I want to put you in a funny spot. You do not have to answer this question right now. Please think about it. Think about a part two or round two of this topic. Same topic, but a round two. And I'll, 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 take, a, I'll take some time maybe to collect questions uh, that may come. But please check your calendar. You don't have to answer this, but I really wish we could have you for part two. Ladies and gentlemen, that has been Chip Nightingale with Manzi Kajina. 
and I, David Tudier, hosting you for this show, Cabin Devils, your number one live podcast. And of course, it's been awesome. It's always awesome. We meet every Sunday at 9 p.m. East African time. And the reason for that is we'd like to start the week with wisdom from God's word, where we can meet from different homes and talk about God. Your participation is through the comments. Once in a while, I open the lines up for people to call in and so they can join the discussion. It's meant to be a very simple, easy discussion as we think about God's word together. As Just like a cow chews the card, you, we begin to apply principles one at a time. Let me remind you to go to shop.cabindivos.com and uh, place an order for your book if you're in Uganda. If you're out of Uganda, just simply go to amazon.com uh, and search for Ceasefire by Chip. I'm sure something will come up that you recognize Ceasefire by Chip, but the title for the book is Ceasefire when all you... Finding Peace when all you see is conflict. And this book is discussed on the book club. Just go to cabindivos.com, tap the book club and join. The passcode to that particular registration process has been posted in the chat. Just scroll upwards. If you cannot find it, um, go to cabindivos.com and tap the button that says join the WhatsApp group. Once you join, you will see me there, inbox me, and I'll let you know what the passcode is. Cabindivos.com, then tap the WhatsApp group. And that's not just for those who are joining the book club. Join the WhatsApp group so you can be able to receive extra content. In fact, today I'm going to post another article on conflict resolution that I think you will love. Um, it's it's beautiful when we grow together as uh, as believers without any physical boundaries. But Chip, I would like you to say the last word as we come to our time. What would your blessing be? Could you kindly just pray for the families on this show that may be going through a difficult time and your final words of conclusion and we will close our time together. Chip. Yeah, dear Lord, we are so um, in awe of your amazing power and strength and wisdom. And Lord, the example of love and kindness and patience and endurance. And thank you for, for loving us so much that you do that to us. And Lord, I pray that uh, through this whole time together that we have grown to be more like you. And uh, I, I know I, I need to work on these things. So Lord, Help me to be a better servant of you. Help me to love people the way you love people. Help us all, every single people, every single person that's on this call to, to understand your grace and your love in a way that is helping them to grow um, and strengthen in their knowledge of you. We love you, Lord, so much. And in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Just amen. to bring your attention to Chip's reply, he says, I can do a part two. Of course, I'll give him some dates uh, to choose from. Thank you guys for being here and hope to see you again very soon. It's been awesome, always awesome uh, to grow with friends and family. It's awesome and I love it. I'm beginning to love Cabin Devils. We do have more items in the in the shop. Just go to shop.cabindevils.com and yeah, I think you would love it. You'll love it. We do have jumpers. It's been cold recently. In Uganda, grab yourself a jumper, t-shirts. Of course, we're trying to buy a mixer. And if you give a gift beyond 100,000, the t-shirt is free. That t-shirt is exclusive. There's only two of those t-shirts in the whole world. And you'll be one of those two wearing. We do have several options. Just go to cabinevos.com, the, tap the shop, uh, or go to shop.cabinevos.com and look at a couple of items there that I, I think you will enjoy. I think you'll enjoy. Well, this is it. 
we come to the end of our time and hope to see you again on Sunday, 9 p.m. East African time.